let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and this is a bit of a special show for us because it's a, a, a look back at our recent trip to Budvar. It was quite a trip, wasn't it, mate? It was quite a, a whirlwind, it was about 62 hours we worked out, Yeah, from the, t- from the time we sort of left home to getting back to our respective homes again, yeah, it probably came to about literally two and a half days of time away, and uh, I felt like we definitely packed a lot in there. Very much so. Well, even from when we first turned up at Heathrow, because we met on the on route, didn't we? Yes. And uh, managed to settle down and get a spot at a bar in Spentino in Terminal 3 and start drinking Camden Inc. Well, yeah, because we thought, well, we're going to have a lot of lager over, over the next few <laughs> days. So what have they got that's not lager? And it, it was quite nice to see Camden Inc., their stout on, um, which Untapped reliably informed me I'd never had before. If if I'm ta- told you I'm, that. I'm sorry, on this occasion, I think I'm tapped with wrong. <laughs> Pretty sure I've had Camden Inc. before. Um, but yeah, it was, it was nice to have a, have a pint at the airport. Um, and then we also managed to get uh, a fairly exclusive beer on the flight as well, didn't we? Oh, what, the uh, Speedbird 100? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Brewdog special. Brewdog one, which was all right, to be honest. It was it was okay. I think somebody... Fruity in, Pale? Yeah, someone in our group kind of coined it as being like Beery Lilt. Oh, in, yeah. In terms Josh, of flavours, yeah. Josh said that. Um... So yeah, I think that was actually pretty pretty good description. But yeah, that was that was a nice one. Short flight anyway, isn't it? I mean, what is it? Less than two hours. We were an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. So I was really surprised by that. Actually, feels like it should be longer. longer. Yeah, it's like flying to essentially Eastern Europe. Yeah. And I would have thought easily more than an hour and a half. But no, it wasn't, was it? So, no. but I mean, that's quite nice because it means it was a nice short flight. And, yes. Yeah. You know, we we got there, and um, you know, Josh had already like got a driver sorted out. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. and and it's probably fair to say at this point, full disclosure, the the entire trip was paid for by by Budvar. Yes, um, and, and a very grateful, and hope we never tried to take these things for granted at all. Oh, abs- absolutely not. No, I mean it was it was fantastic what we got to see, what we got to experience, um, but no, literally the flights, the, the transfers, the hotel, the food, everything was on Budvar, and we are very very grateful um, to Josh. Um, for, for that but as hopefully the listeners will be able to hear as we go through this show um, none of that really influenced our opinion on, on, on things on the trip did it? I, I don't believe so and I think that you know as you were here you can't help but be influenced by some of your surroundings I oh, think, think we've spoken about that yeah. before when you have a beer at a tap room yeah that kind of thing and you know we were we were in not only in in Czech Budavita at the Budvar Brewery, we saw some other lovely parts of the country as well, which oh, I'd never seen before. Beautiful parts so, of the country. So, you know, yeah. it, was just, it was just wonderful. But, um, you know, the what's it, about an hour and a half by, by car? Uh, yeah, so it's almost as, 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 as long as it took us to fly yeah. there. And, it, uh, it took us to drive there. You know, the driver was really good. Um, how, the, the only problem with the van, well, the van, it's like a multi-seater thing, isn't it? And um, we're just getting out of it. So for some whatever reason, the way the step was, just couldn't get in and out properly, yeah. could we? Yeah, no, I, I, I fell into it. And I fell out. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we, we made sure we covered all the bases there. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, I'll tell you what, the, the, the guys um, from uh, Budvar were so nice. Oh, that, so, so welcoming. So welcoming, so friendly and so humble. Yes. But yeah. then what I did love is that you had both the brewers 
who wanted us to get into the office and sit down with a beer. They were like, no, you're not doing anything else yet. That, that was the, that was, they insisted, first thing we did was went to the head brewer's office, which we, we could only describe it as being like the headmaster's office at a 1970s <laughs> secondary school. Yeah. You, you went down a long corridor. A lot of brown. A lot of brown. You got to the end, there was then kind of almost like a, I suppose like an anteroom, like what would have been the headmaster's secretary. Yeah. And then you went through to the headmaster's office. Yeah. And then off of his office, he had like a conference room. Yeah. And, and that was where they, they gave us a fresh, unfiltered Budvar yep. that had been bottled that day yep. as, as well. Why we just had a bit of a chat and got to, got got to, to know, know everyone. Which, which definitely helps anyway. Yeah. We hadn't met these people. I'd watched a couple of the YouTube videos and stuff like that, but you, it's getting to know them, isn't it? And getting to speak to yeah. them. Even, I mean, we should have recorded some of that conversation at the time as well. I think we both felt that, didn't we? We, we yeah, finished yeah. like, oh, there's some really good content some, in there. Some great little nuggets in yeah. there, yeah. Um, but again, it was really, it, it was good fun. I think, you know, what we should also add is that uh, Josh's partner, Alice, was with us. Um, it was lovely to meet her. Yes. And I'll meet her again because we met uh, a few weeks beforehand. Uh, she works at Gypsy Hill. And also uh, Tim, who is... Uh, Editor-in-chief of the Brewers Journal. Yes, yeah. Effectively. Yeah, it was, a, it was quite a small trip, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. In, in, in terms of the people that, that were on it. But like, like you say, very very welcoming uh, arrival to, to, to the Budvar Brewery. Um, got to see the well. Got to see the well. The, still the original source of, of, of the water. Still, mm-hmm. still used. Um, now very much expanded by the two massive tanks next to the original yep. well, well that draws all the water straight from the ground. Um, look around the brewery. It was uh, a day where they weren't actually brewing. So yeah. um, it was very, very quiet at the brewery. And there was, no, there was none of that sort of brewery smell really. No, and there wasn't really, I mean, really the only um, sort of background noise was where we were recording. The rest yeah. of the brewery effectively wasn't actually doing it was, much. was quiet. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So we, if we'd recorded anywhere else, it would have it been It would have been perfect. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is still a working brewery and there was still stuff going on, but we got to see those white Budvar tanks. Yes, yes, we did. The And the many, many, many cellars worth of, Loads. of them Massive. As, as, as well. And they're building more. Yeah, because they're not currently brewing enough. Yeah, it, so it, it, it would seem they're, they're brewing more. So you know, there was a bit of a you know, there was a bit of background noise while we were talking. And as you'll hear, all three of the guys from um, Budvar are quite softly spoken as well. That they are, yes. Um, so we'll, we'll make we'll, we'll make no apologies really um, about the, the the sound quality. Um, we think it's good enough. To, to, to release we've both, we've both listened back to it yeah and um, you, you can hear everything that they're saying and I think once you get past those first few minutes the background noise is pretty pretty uh, static it stays pretty much the same all the yeah. way through there's no real spikes is there yeah so um, yeah you know if we could have done anything else to, to tone that down we would have done but hopefully it won't spoil your enjoyment of it no I hope not and, and like you say it is it is a it is a static noise um, but it is it is background noise it was a working brewery and it, it was simply a day where they were transferring the delicious beer that they had brewed <laughs> to tanks exactly and, and so, we, we were next door yes yeah there, there's no escape in that so we're gonna let um, you guys sit back and listen to to, to the first part 
um, that, that we recorded while we were there. And, and this is all about um, the, the, the brewmasters, really, the, the, the history of Adam and his role as the head brewmaster and, and Peter's role as well as, as the deputy yeah. brewmaster. <laughs> Greetings from the Republic of Beer, and we are here in the uh, the cellars of, of Budvar. The legendary cellars of Budvar. Indeed. Uh, squeezed into a tiny room. There's a little bit of background noise. Working um, brewery. Because we Can't are in a working it. brewery. Um, but we're not alone around this little table. We're very not alone today. <laughs> no. So um, we are going to go, we can actually do one of those things that you do in a meeting at work, where you introduce, introduce yourself, where you're from, and all, all, all that sort of thing. So obviously... The, the listeners know us, yeah. um, but to your right, Artin. Hello, I'm Adam Berosh, I'm the 10th brewmaster of Budweiser Budweiser. Hey, uh, my name is George and I look after great quality. Hi guys, my name's Josh and I'm the UK marketing manager for Budweiser Budweiser. Yeah, and hello, I'm Peter and I'm a deputy brewmaster in charge of technology. And in front of us, we have some beer in glass, we've also got Various vessels <laughs> containing <laughs> other beer as, 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 as well, which is which is great, and we, we're gonna gonna taste our way through some of these while talking about the, the some of the history of the brewery and, and, and some of the other bits that we want to cover while we're here. So let's uh, let's talk about the most important thing first of all, which is the liquid that we have in our glass. Yeah. So who uh, wants to tell us what we we're currently drinking and where it, exactly it came from? I think it's really the most important thing to know what is in the glass. We are drinking uh, the fresh, unfiltered, unpasteurized uh, lager Budweiser Budvar. That's the flagship of the brewery in conditions of the lager cellar. It means with yeast, unfiltered, absolutely fresh. And we were lucky enough to taste a sample of this earlier, but at a different stage of the process, wasn't it? So when we had yeah, it out of the bottle? It, it, it was bottled. The only difference was that the beer was filtered. This one is unfiltered. Well, it's up to you to say what you prefer. Oh, that's fine now. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. definitely um, that's one, that, that one is the freshest. The, the one that we have now. Uh, beer experience possible. You know, getting well, it straight from the, the brewery tank in the brewery cellar, that's uh, the ultimate enjoyment. Right. Yeah. I, I have to say, probably me and Adam won't agree with it. <laughs> yes, because uh, perhaps you can feel a bitter usher and higher bitterness, and that's the, not the final beer. Uh, we both uh, prefer the finished beer. When the yeast is removed, then there is the occasion to test the absolutely fresh finished beer. Okay, but I suppose in terms of freshness, this has come straight from one of the, the rather large of the many tanks that are down here sharing the space with us. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we were trying to work out because we, we just got to look at the, the, the tanks and you said there's there's 20 rooms and, and each of those rooms have got 20 tanks in them. Um, and it was just a small part of the cellar. And it was the, the older part. Yeah. <laughs> and how many hectolitres do each of those tanks hold? Or how many pints, if, if you want to put a, it into... A lot, a lot, because <laughs> you can multiply each tank uh, of uh, the older part has 200 hectoliters. It means that one brew from the brewery fills up three tanks. But next to this old capacity, we have a brand new uh, cellar, which has four floors above, with huge tanks, uh, nearly 4,000 hectoliters each. So you can calculate 
We have no, no, four, no, four no, to six no, pieces no, like this. No, no, I, I think that the total sum is not important. We, uh, no, we have, have to have to place enough uh, to mature the beer for nearly three months. I'll get back yeah. to your original answer. A lot. Yeah, that's yeah. all everyone needs to know. There's a lot. And, and we found out one of the first things we found out when we, we got here the, was that all of the Budvar in in the world is produced on this one site. Yeah. And, and only on this one site so you've you've got to have the capacity to be constantly brewing and to have the room to store it for the the, the 90 days that you actually allow it to, to, to store for the, the, the beer actually is protected by PGI as well which is the European Union PGI which is similar PGI protection um, protected geographical indication which is the same as Parmesan cheese Parma ham which basically stipulates that we can only brew with the finest local ingredients in this location. So actually it's a guarantee, it's a seal that we're proud to have on the bottle, but something that, that shows our customers that, you know, we do not cross brew, everything comes through this brewery. Mm -hmm. so oh, I didn't know that. Also didn't know the uh, the seal was quite so strict as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting thing. It's a blue a blue logo, it's a blue and yellow logo, and you'll, you'll find it on, on pretty much all of our packaging. Um, and, and you will do with, with other you know, cheese or, or other products that are typical of that area it's, uh, it's similar to wine where you have protection to know that champagne and stuff yeah, yeah or, or, you know, again similar sort of levels of PGI protection in wine a DOCG, DOP or, you know. yeah okay yeah, that's interesting in case of Budweiser uh, it's only one logo but many unique things not only the location of production mm -hmm. but the ingredients as well mm -hmm. and not only this but the whole process is protected because we produce uh, the beer in the traditional way. It means the uh, decoction in brew house, uh, uh, low temperature, main fermentation and very long maturation. It fits together to one logo PGI. Yeah, well actually it's uh, one of the strictest PGI um, out there and I think we are the only one who use this PGI. Yes, because nobody else can cope with the strict specification that is there. That's true. It's very important to recognize the PGIs. Uh, our PGI is Česko Budějovické pivo, which is Czech expression for the beer only from Budweis City. I've learned loads already. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds really interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. So perhaps a little bit more about your actual roles here. So given your your job titles, but you know. You are the tenth brewmaster, Evan. Yeah, uh, and that's over a period of what 120 odd years. 125. So that seems like a, it seems like a really direct connection from your position right back to the start. Does it feel that way? Yeah. And how you know how long have you been doing this now? Yeah, the, the number ten is uh, a bit magic for me because I'm the tenth brewmaster. Uh, I became a 10th brewmaster after 10 years of my work in the brewery okay. and nowadays it's 10 years in this position. So oh, there good. are three times 10. Uh, it's a very good job for me because I was born in this city in Budweis and it's a kind of dream job for me because uh, I always uh, wanted to study uh, the natural sciences, the mathematics, physics, chemistry, and if, if you combine it together with the region and with uh, the things which are unique in the region, you get the brewery, because the brewery is a part of the landscape of Budweis, and uh, when I studied uh, the brewing, 
I wanted to work in this brewery. Ah, so this was a, an ambition yeah. that you, you really wanted to get to this point. Yeah. And it, it was fulfilled in this position. Well, so congratulations on that. Thank you. And, and for completing 10 years as well. Thank you. It was not so easy because the studies of chemistry and beer and brewing and malting, it's not uh, the, the easiest field of studies. But it's uh, worth doing it. Oh, I, I can imagine. I, I wouldn't have the scientific background or patience, I imagine, to, to do it myself. No, no, me. <laughs> I, I, so it's, it's, it's still, we say this so often, that um, the, the, the brewing process for me is stuff goes in one end, magic happens, yeah. and then this amazing liquid appears in yeah. my glass. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's as much as I understand. It's, it. much, <laughs> it's much, much better this description than, uh, <laughs> than in chemistry or mathematics yeah. definitely but uh, what is more I'm only the 10th brewmaster only 10 brewmasters uh, served for this brewery and it's a very important thing because uh, this brewery is unique uh, in the continuity of the the original recipe uh, from its beginning uh, till today so I, I think that to have uh, the people which are aware not only uh, about uh, the field of studies but about the tradition and about the wisdom of nature which is uh, the main thing in brewing industry it's it's very important mm. it's effectively living history isn't it yeah yeah i think for me what's amazing as well is you can you can see the lineage of the 10 brewers uh, you, you can search it on, on our website and you can see the overlap between those people and and yeah the the, the information that's passed down and, and for me from a marketing perspective also a beer professional it's quite unique to work for a brewery where it has this long history and actually when they say the beer was as it was in 1895 it is because it's been you know pale lager was invented in the in the early sort of 1840s so actually we have been brewing this beer to that spec and, and actually those those handovers which are years of people overlapping is it's again unique I think yeah that's true if you are uh, responsible uh, for 25 years for the same thing you can be sure <laughs> that it will be perfect but it's not only about one person I must say because I have a great team of deputy brewmasters of technicians of all the people working around the beer it's not only about one person well that's a pretty good segue into uh, into Peter's role here then as deputy brewmaster I was fascinated by beer ever since, and, and you know, I'm also local from here, and, and beer was always a part of our culture at home and, and everywhere, and, and that fascination brought me to look a little bit deeply in, in, into the magic, as, as you called brewing, it's a kind of magic, so, so yeah, that fascination oh, uh, magic. For, for, for forced me to look deeper in the, in the magic. So, uh, my role here is to... Uh, take care of the process parameters uh, throughout of the whole production process. So all that parameters guarantee that our customers will be having fun with our beer as, as usual and as, as was always in the history. And I suppose one of the key things there is the consistency of the product mm -hmm. yeah. being the same every time. Yeah. And you yeah. both just mentioned there that um, a few minutes ago that you prefer not this particular version straight from the set from the tank but once you've pasteurized it no no not pasteurized once we filter mm. it there is a taste that is not that well not that, that discussed 
uh, and it is the harsh bitterness of, of yeast itself. You, when you taste yeast, they have it, their own yeast bitterness, so it is something that is a little bit, um, a little bit, let's say, um, disturbing the harmony of, of, of the filtered lager. Because, you know, as we produce just from uh, sass aromatic hop, we, we, we like the, the fine bitterness that is there. And you don't need to disturb this fine bitterness by by yeast bitterness. So so that's why we like the filtered version more. Yes, yes. There's so frantic nodding around the table here, in case for the day of anyone listening. <laughs> I quite like, I have to admit, I'll be honest, I actually quite like a little bit the, the bitterness. But I do mm. know what you're saying. I mean, the Budval we had earlier was really soft, but still very clean and crisp at the same time. The most important thing is the harmony in taste, and uh, mm -hmm. we uh, do much for this uh, at the beginning with uh, the ingredients to use only pale malt, uh, only uh, the fine aromazasa hops, the finest hops in the world. Uh, so it means that uh, we are tending to the great harmony in the finished beer. So then any uh, disturbing stuff uh, is not good for us. So I perceive it that it must be fine. I love the use of the word harmony. Harmony, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. a lot of times we talk yeah. about balance and drinkability. The word harmony is, yeah. is, is slightly more poetic. Yeah. I, I love the way <laughs> that you've used that word. It, it sounds really good when you're talking yeah. about this beer. It also demonstrates, I think, just how much you, you care about it. Yeah. Because well. if, if you are finding to uh, have balance, mm -hmm. it could be there could be only two components in balance. But in harmony, you have more than 3,000 compounds in the beer to give the concert to you. That's the hard one. <laughs> you two are working here all the time and producing the beer, but you need, you need people who can uh, talk to the outside world, which is why we've got George and Josh here. So perhaps George, you could tell us a little bit more about what you do here. Well, uh, as Peter said, um, you already mentioned that beer is quite important to the Czech life and the society is closely connected to its beer culture, which is very unique. So if you just think about the Czechs having the highest consumption of beer per capita worldwide, like 140 liters. So I've always felt really strongly about this category and having this opportunity to work with uh, people who really are devoted to the quality makes me really enjoy my part of the whole process, being somewhere in the middle between the production, which I fully trust, and the customer. Because I believe that whatever the very professional colleagues in the science production and uh, laboratories and all the people who actually do the field work making sure that every single batch coming out of this brewery is perfect whatever they do might go wrong or might fail if we have something missing out throughout the process when the beer leaves the brewery so my my uh, devotion and my goal is to make it sure that uh, quality is understood, that people know what they deal with, that they know that it's a delicate product with exquisite <laughs> harmony. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just want to give this message and uh, help our clients and partners and friends and whoever enjoys Badwar to, to do it uh, the best way possible. And uh, what about you, Josh? What's your? How long have you been with them now? So I started with Budvar in uh, April last year. Um, I think obviously before some of your listeners might recognise my dulcet tones from a previous podcast. 
so I, I yeah I used to work for uh, for Goose Armbar in Chicago doing brand ambassador and events and stuff and uh, anyway I, I was approached by, by the guys at Budvar to, to join um, I did sales for, for a couple of months in London just to kind of get bedded in and uh, and I've, I've yeah I've been doing marketing since sort of July um, for me these guys the brewers make my job very easy because they brew you know, one of the best authentic Czech lagers in the world um, and, and actually as well in terms of when you, as a marketeer lots of marketeers are looking for content they're looking for authenticity they're looking for stories and Budvar is is rammed to the rafters it's it's just it's an amazing brewery the passion that each of these guys at the table bring is a passion that I have for beer myself and for me it's like joining a, a, a family a family of people that everybody at every level just does it for, for what's in the glass. Well, we, we've seen that since we arrived because the, the, the first thing our hosts here wanted to do was to get a beer into our hands. And, and it was like they, they, they literally couldn't, they couldn't get us to the centre of the brewery quick enough to, to, to get us a beer, which was incredibly welcoming. <laughs> Very welcoming, as Steve said, after the, after the journey as well. But also, you know, we've experienced times when you get the chance to talk to people about beer without drinking the beer. And the beer is at the heart of what we're, we're talking about. It's the heart of what we love. To give the give the beer first of all, and that was a lovely way to start this. Absolutely, this experience. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that the beer that's the purpose of our existence. So <laughs> it's, it's necessary. It's yeah. necessary to see, to see that to see the purpose why we, we are here at yeah. the first moment. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> you talk about your existence as as a, as a brewery. You, you we mentioned earlier. You, you've been you've been around for a while now. So first founded in eight, eighteen ninety five. Yes. As as a as a brewery. But there's been brewing in the region long before that, going back to 1265. Um, around about then, with, with some historical brewing going on here. And then in, let's say, 1895, the, the, the brewery Budvar itself was founded um, to start producing beer in the region. And then in the 1940s, the, the, the brewery became state-owned. It's got a lot of historical significance to... Uh, to, to the region in, in, in terms of the, the brewery being here. The, the brewery being state-owned, it's a, it's a really nice proof of uh, how significant it is in the Czech Republic to, to brew beer, to, to live around beer and to take it seriously. What, what, does the, what, what does the state ownership add to, to the brewery? Because it's, there, aren't, there aren't many breweries that are in, in, in that position, certainly that, that, that we've come across in terms of no, but being owned by, but, by the state. Well, that must yeah. bring certain benefits to, to, to what you do here. Well, it, on one hand, it's uh, definitely an advantage, and the advantage is that in that sense that it gives us certain uh, assurance of protection concerning our trademarks. Uh, another uh, way how to look at it is that uh, the structure of the state ownership might be too complex. But if you if you look at uh, the breweries nowadays worldwide, you know, big gigantic breweries spreading not just over countries but over continents, uh, it uh, might be even harder to, to agree on things and to move on. So we are relatively uh, complexly owned brewery, but we have been always successful at um, making our point in terms of our strategies and 
I would say that the results we have, um, if we look at our export success, or if I look at our brand, how it develops and how it's understood, um, it's very consistent. And I think that the state ownership contributes to it. It might be so that uh, also the way how beer is produced here cannot be just changed by having the owner changed or by having the brewery sold to someone else, applying to someone else's standards. We have developed our standards, we have our beer, we are proud of it and we just keep it. Yeah. Does, does it, sorry, does it feel like you are owned by the government? Well, it's not that the minister would be sitting next door, but... <laughs> that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. No one wants no, that. It, it does in the sense that, of course, we are, we are a little bit more than just a brewery. You know, I look at the Badwar and I see, I see the Czech brewing culture. I see the, the Republic of Beer. You know, I see us as someone who can, who can do more than just brew for our own purposes. We have um, uh, cooperations with uh, small local craft brewers where we help each other. Uh, we are mentally set to one goal, you know, the way they produce beer is really, it's a proper beer making and we approach it in a very similar way, but at our scale, uh, our distribution has different potential, our experience is also would say wider because of all the global distribution and, and the level of technologies we have, we can really be a good benefit to, to our partners who also brew beer around the Czech Republic. Some of them might be our competitors, but I don't see it so. I would say Badvar is state-owned because it's the essence of the Republic of Beer. Mm. And we are proud to, to keep uh, this seriously in our hands and being one who represents the whole industry rather than one among other many brands. I think you were about to say yeah, something. Yeah, it, it, sound, it sounds nice, but I have to emphasize one very pragmatic thing because our uh, trademarks are in several markets closely linked with uh, the form of the company and the Budweiser Budvar National Corporation is vital for some brands in several, several markets in the world. Yeah. So I think that's the highest protection of our uh, marks in the world. Okay, that makes sense. It, it's very important. I was saying, you know, I was talking about uh, the protection mm, of the trademarks. Yeah, yeah. That was actually the time when, um, after the Velvet Revolution in the Czech Republic yeah. in 1989, uh, many state-owned companies have been privatized. And many of them do well, but many of them you can't see anymore. So uh, there were issues with wild privati widely privatized companies without um, the assets and uh, strategies how to how to keep the value they have had and how to move on. So in case of Barwar, uh, the uh, value of the trademarks was very important and it was very closely bound to the form of the company and not changing it not privatizing it back then has helped us to, to protect the trademarks until yeah. now mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and that it has one big advantage for me because i'm really proud of budweiser beer and i'm really proud of the czech republic and it fits together. And the two go hand in, yeah. hand in glove yeah. as we, yeah. we, we yeah. would say so yeah i mean from from my perspective it, 
from the UK's perspective or, or state ownership in the UK with, with Budweiser Budvar, uh, that, that whole representing the Republic of Beer is something that absolutely um, translates over into our market as well. Uh, with the brewery, we are connected to Czech tourism, Czech trade and the Czech embassy. Um, and we work with those guys, have done historically, and, and I have now picked up those contacts. So, you know, there's a, a Czech beer trade event that happens every year, normally at the embassy, um, and other ways of working so that, you know, we can help Czech tourism to promote the Czech Republic as a destination, and lo lots of cool projects we're sort of working on. So, absolutely, for us, we want to even work with distributors in the UK that are distributing Czech beer. Our, our aim would be to work with them to promote Czech beer Czech lager as you know as, as the premium quality authentic lager um, for me it, it, it goes above selling as much beer as we can or you know we need to work together to 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 showcase how good Czech lager is the thing that really resonates with me is in, in in everything that both of you have said is is that you are clearly very very proud to, to work for the company that you work mm. for and and to have that relationship back to the site and, and and to be able to promote what you're doing as, as part of, of, of the history of the country. Yeah, as well. care yeah. naturally about, they, they, they care about beer. Yeah. You know, that's, um, that's the thing people would probably see every day. Uh, people would go out to talk, to share good and bad, you know, they, they want to, to hang out. It's not... Um, yeah, so that people will just get drink drunk every day, <laughs> but it's a it's a very important part of the social life. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's it's not just about the history because um, it's also about the future. And um, me and Adam, we both, and we are not the only. We are both mm. uh, doctors of chemistry. Yeah. And and we here in the brewery we have smaller research department. And what is ni nice about let's say uh, this atmosphere we've got here in the brewery is that we can freely publish anything that uh, that we discover in the in the science of beer and, and it's it's really quite unique you don't see that much uh, let's say uh, free publication from big breweries and and it's it's quite nice for us that we can we can, we can do the beer science let's say freely and and maybe we are encouraged to do it yeah and I like this attitude because uh, if you share the information then the world goes forward without the sharing information it's impossible and I think that it would be a pity to stop the development of the world of the brewing world of the brewing industry uh, n now I think it's very important to continue with the sharing of the information yeah, so we, we, we share the secrets so that was um, us chatting to, to, to the guys uh, about basically the that the history of, of Budvar, um, and, and there were a few things in there that, that, that really came out for me in, in terms of what they were talking about. So one, one of the big ones being that, as, as we said earlier, there's a, there's a lot of tank space yeah. to fill there. Now, one, one full brew day uh, at the brewery fills three of those tanks only. And I think we worked out there were somewhere between two to three hundred of those tanks. Yeah, and they're expanding. The yeah. So it's a, you know, but as they pointed out, you know they are cellaring for ninety days, aren't they, for the beer? They are. Everything is properly properly lagered. Yeah, um, uh, pretty much the same as we were by the time we left. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Very true. <laughs> very lagered. Yeah, uh, but yeah. It was that. It was just the sheer scale of it. The numbers they're talking about, and then you had so you had all these big numbers, and then they started talking about the brewmaster history, 
and there's only been 10 of them. I know, which is, it's, what is it, so it's 125 years yeah. Bad Vile has been going, and there's been 10 brewmasters. So that's, they're doing an average of, what, 12 years per brewmaster in, in, in that role, round about that? Yeah, and you can, you, there was such pride. Oh, without, without, and, and they, win. they oozed pride. Yeah, uh, both of them, but obviously, uh, you know, Adam, being the head, the head brew, brewmaster, was very much feeling, he, he felt connected to the others. Yes, to his nine predecessors, uh, which I thought was a really wonderful thing. And they did. They used pride and, you know, they're a bit about wanting to uphold all the traditions as they see it. Now, I know that might not be sexy for some people. And you could argue for, I think for some people, that maybe it holds them back. But they are very clear about how they want to brew the beer and make the beer and dispense and sell the beer. And yeah. it's about getting it same all the time and about it being Budvar what makes Budvar Budvar they want to make sure that comes out every time don't they as well Absolutely, they, were, yeah. they were so proud about that they were proud about their country proud about the beer proud about their role in it I, I was you know it, it was really um, it was quite overwhelming at times actually to just hear how much they actually loved what they did and where they did it so yeah I, I, that was definitely something I took away from it um, harmony. Uh, it, it was all about harmony and balance, <laughs> wasn't it, for, for them in yeah. terms of the because obviously you know their their flagship beer is Budvar. We we know there's the the, the dark version of it, which we'll, we'll come on to. Um, but that's that that's what they're most known for producing. Um, and I didn't actually realise that that's the only place in the world that produces it as well. So they don't have brewery sites elsewhere. It's it's all produced at that one yeah. site. It's, a, it's all produced there. It's all cellared there, and then it goes out. Yeah, and that's it. And even when they do, you know, like obviously the tank beer, then it goes out from there as well. And they do proper special delivery runs for yes. it. Yes, yeah. So yeah, yeah I I I, uh, I thought it was a fascinating first bit of the interview, just getting the history from them and their love and their pride and their tradition all came out. But yeah, the word harmony. If we'd had a if we, were getting a, if we were having a beer every time they were saying the word harmony, we would have been more than liable. I, I, I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they would have been scraping us. That's, that, that's like, like we say, that's definitely the one thing that, 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 that came through is that it's, it's all about that, that for them, yeah. is, isn't it? In terms of brewing that beer absolutely perfectly every time yeah. they brew it. And they're, they're effectively, their word, their, the, the harmony was just their word, way of saying balance, but it's got such a nice feel to it, hasn't it, that yes. word? Yes, yeah. To be able to, um, because even Josh said it was it was quite um, a unique occasion for us to be able to get both Adam and Peter enough of their time for them to actually be able to relax and sit back and talk yeah. to us. And we thought we were actually going to have less time with them than we got. Yeah, and they were they were so gracious with their time as well. Because I mean, listeners, regular listeners know we can rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> and uh, you know we, we we took up a good chunk of their time. By the time we left there. They were closing. Yeah. So the 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 shop was the shop was closed. The bar beside the shop was closed. It was just us. <laughs> it was good. It was great though. Yes. Yeah. It was absolutely fantastic. Now, now one of the other things that came out of the discussion for me was the um, the whole fact that the that the company Budvar itself is still under state ownership. Yep. So it's, it's actually owned um, by the the Czechia government, um, and also they're that they're protected by a PGI as well, which is a protected geographical indication 
in, in terms of the, the beer, where it's produced and what they can call it. Um, and that, that will come back a little bit later on in one yeah. of the interviews as well. Definitely. Um, <laughs> around a certain dispute that's yeah. been going on a certain, for a while. certain piece of subject matter. <laughs> yeah. But I, I found some of those bits really, um, really interesting as well. Yeah. There's, there's, so, there's so much history built into to, to that brewery that, like I say, could have just sat and listened to them talking about it for days. Yeah, and you couldn't help but um, be taken in. I mean, no, I've, I've always liked Budvar anyway, so that, that bit wasn't a problem. Then, But having it, you know, pretty much as fresh as it can be, still done the right way from tanks, because they, they just went out and got had these great big jugs, didn't they? These like very old-fashioned type jugs and went to the tank and filled up. Yeah. So we were getting it straight from the tank. Well, well we were so, getting it pretty much as fresh as you can get it. Yeah. yeah. So that, again, that, you, you do get that provenance around and, and listening to them and it only made it set, taste even better, didn't it? Yeah. While you were there. Uh, it, and, you know, it is, an, it is an, you know, final thoughts on the Budweiser, it's an easy, it is an easy beer to drink. Oh, it is. And we enjoyed a lot of it while we were there. Yeah. But what we also got to enjoy um, was the Budvar Dark as yes. well. Yes. Which we've, we've both said previously that we are massive fans of that in, in, in terms of a dark lager. Um, and this this next part um, that you're going to listen to was uh, the guys talking about, about Budvar Dark and the fact that they were actually uh, the authors of the recipe. We've moved forward into a second beer. Who would like to say what we've got? Well, Adam is author of, of the recipe, so... Oh, in that case, you should definitely go. <laughs> I'm co-author because uh, oh, that's nice. it's not always about one man. I have told you, <laughs> but uh, the dark, dark one uh, that was uh, the deal of me and uh, my colleague Alex Dvořák. We uh, cooperated on the recipe, and it's always about it to tune up all the ingredients, to tune up the process. You need more and more well-educated people and professionals uh, to get the goal. So what made you decide to, to make a dark lager when generally 90 plus percent of the world's lager is pale and yellow and golden? Uh, it wasn't uh, a new thing in the history of the brewery because in the history there were uh, dark beers. Uh, but uh, if we uh, investigated the markets, uh, especially the Czech market, it was full of dark lagers. All of them were very sweet, heavy and not drinkable. And when I spoke about the harmony, the harmony goes into the drinkability, I think always. It's very similar mm. uh, to, to meals, not only to drinks. So we uh, have tried uh, to uh, develop the dark lager which is drinkable and which is pure in its ingredients because we have used only uh, molds and hops for the production. That's uh, an essence of uh, boudoir beers. I mean it's still very light. I mean it's got the yeah. lightness of a lager still hasn't it yeah. with, with the mouthfeel. It's not like it, it, it may look like it's a heavier beer, but it's not. It's still got a very light touch to it, so it's still got that refreshing hit. But, but what it does, it just gives you a, a, a touch of a different flavour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, is, is that slightly dark, roasted notes yeah, on, yeah, on, yeah. on there yeah. that, that come through towards the end of it. Yeah, it's so not. And, and maybe um, you can still uh, feel uh, what we discussed with the pale lager. We don't like the caramel taste. And 
this is very dark beer with no cum, caramel taste. Yeah. Oh, the, 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 the roasted, the roasted is dominating. Is there, yeah. dominating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's how you've treated the the barley that's yeah. producing this, isn't it? Rather than adding anything else to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's something that it's connecting all our lagers, like no caramel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We we're very definite on that, aren't we? I think yeah, we picked yeah, that yeah, up yeah, there from yeah. from, <laughs> from our brewmaster. No caramel is involved yeah. in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But if if you uh, have compared this lager those <laughs> days when it was developed on the Czech market there was really no sweetness because mm. the sweetness is not natural in mm. the dark lager if you use the natural ingredients. Mm. We, we went against all yeah. other other marks. Okay, I mean I, I'm a big fan of the dark lager. Thank you. Because it is something slightly different so you can, you'll, you'll sink a couple of pints of the original Budgar and we, I think we actually had this on a warm day at one of the Czech trade days at the Czech embassy in uh, London mm -hmm. and then we had a couple of pints of the Dal Lager and it just went down so well yeah. after having a couple of the, uh, the, the original as well. It's just really nicely balanced, easy to drink and like you say, it's got a, couple, just mm -hmm. a, it's got a, a balanced note to those darker flavours and aromas, hasn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, think, I think the only thing for us is, is we probably just don't see it enough in the UK. Brilliant, brilliant you've given me, given me the opportunity because I think this is a style of beer that is a, so I mean, back, back, but if you go back a few years, I, I worked in the pub trade, I worked at the White Horse Parsons Green for, for a couple of years and actually this is the type of beer that I would give to somebody that says they don't like dark beer because the perception in the UK of a dark beer is it's going to fill me up, it's filling, it's only for winter, it's all these these things and actually Dark beer is not just for winter. Dark beer can be drank to your point in the summertime. Our dark beer or, or other Czech dark lagers or Schwarz beer in Germany. Mm. Actually, these beers are made to still have drinkability. I, I, I you know, it'd be interesting to to sort of blind, do a blindfold sort of challenge to drink this beer. At the beginning, you might think it tastes like a golden lager. At the back end, you just get some coffee and chocolate, mm. and it's a hint. We've said that before. Yeah, it's got. Such it comes out of nowhere as well. It comes out of nowhere. It's a delicious yeah. beer. So when I started with 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 Budvar, one of the first things I asked actually when I when I came to sales, I, I have a list, uh, a, a kind of a, a beer bucket list. I call it things I need to do: drinking Bourbon County Stout in Chicago. One of those things on the list was to drink Budvar Dark straight from the cellars in the brewery because this is one of my favourite beers in the world. And and actually, day one of my induction, no lie, I was on a flight here. To do a, a, a one night at the brewery, um, and then they, they held to that. And you know, I, lo I love working in industry that is also my passion. But um, for me, this is something I hope to see with the the lager revolution that's happening in the UK with craft breweries. I really hope you know there's a fantastic brewery in Streatham actually called Ink Spot that really focus on Czech style lager and and, and as well Bohem that are making dark lagers. And, and Bohem, Bohem are very good. Fantastic, fantastic brewing for me. The more we get people drinking this style of beer that realize, actually, I love this style, the more we can see permanent lines of Budvar Dark. Because at the moment, it's original because most people, when they think lager, they go down that route. Yeah. So we have a lot of really cool craft accounts that pick up this beer and have it as a rotation. But I would love to see some, some permanent lines. And we have a few accounts, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it's, it's probably going to be more of an evolution rather than a revolution, especially with the darker version of the lager. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely people being again gradually more and more aware that although it's dark and it change, challenges your perception, it's still a lager. The product, the way it's made, is still lagering, and it's got, just got a slightly different flavour to it. It's just something a little bit different, and that's what we're looking for now, isn't it? Yeah, something a little bit different, something a little bit better, something tasty. This ticks those boxes. 
Don't it's, ever judge a beer by its colour because I think that that's the thing when somebody looks at the, the glass, mm-hmm. they look at dark, mm-hmm. they, they start to make up all kinds of oh, uh, things. It's yeah. filling, it's full. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. Yes, Josh, you need to work harder. That's what we're saying. I'm going to focus on Martin, but actually, no, we're, you know, we're, we're actually we're quite a small team in the UK. You know, there's about 15 of us in total. We've got six six sales reps, and all of us together are working towards getting more dark lager out there. But it is absolutely the beer that people go, where can I get this from? So it's not in some of the major retailers mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. But you know, if any of the beer buyers of any of the major retailers or bottle shops want to stop this beer, I tell you, we, we every day we get people asking, where can we buy this? So <laughs> a, a quick one about the brewing process on this. So is this is is it is it brewed the same way as the as, as the standard lager? Does it does it sit for ninety days as as, as well? In in some uh, things it's similar, in some not uh, because uh, at the beginning uh, there are more malls. There are four malls. That's the opposite of the pale lager because it's single malt thing. Uh, only with pale uh, pale malt, so it's a mixture of four different malts. Uh, the brewing process is very similar. Uh, it means uh, too much decoction, uh, main fermentation as well, very cold main fermentation. But in uh, summer, uh, the maturation is uh, a bit shorter for about forty days, five still fifty very days. Long. Yeah, it's optimal. Yeah, uh, but at, at the end you can. Feel the harmony, but in the dark way. Mm. <laughs> Over to the dark side. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Harmonious dark side. Yeah. <laughs> I've just had a refill. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. It's 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 so drinkable. That's that yeah. that's the thing about it. Thank it, you. Thank you for it because I am very pleased with it because uh, it's only for about thirty thousand hectoliters nowadays. 30, 40. But good yeah. to hear that it can be more. Yeah, yeah, but there, uh, there is none. I, I, I think that the, the potential potential could be could be higher. Taking yeah. taking any sort of like sales mm-hmm. and marketing thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh is right. Lager, especially in the UK, is undergoing a bit of a renaissance. There are some really good lager producers there, mm-hmm. and again, it's one of those things. Once people start getting aware that lager can be something a little bit more different than just the macro in the mainstream, then they'll get interested in other ones as well. And then if you bring something new into it, like the dark lager, mm-hmm. there is definitely a space yeah. for it. Yeah. This this is an all-year drink. It's an all-year drink. I, mean, I think we've got it out. That, really that's tried and tested as well. Just to Okay, well done. Well. Did you try and test it, Josh? It's part of the job, yeah. Okay. Exactly. You have to drink it at different stages of the year well, to we, make sure. We can confirm it, it works. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more observation from, from the brewing community because when the, the brewers, the colleagues, uh, tested our dark lager. Uh, there was very similar response, and I was always very pleased when the well-educated really? people around the beer, aware of the beer, uh, said, "Yes, this beer is excellent." It should be. And it's a pleasure to talk to the person who helped co-create it. Yeah, I've done. Um, that's that, that's what's really doing it. Yeah, yeah. As well. I had no idea that this was your recipe. This <laughs> is brilliant. I'm sat sat opposite you in drinking this, it right now. In this brewery, everything is personal because we are a very uh, small team of people, and I emphasize that they must be the right people. So that was quite a moment to actually be sat with the man that designed the yeah. recipe for while, the dark lager. While you're drinking it. Yeah. Near the tanks where it's come from. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah, was, that was one of those, <laughs> yeah. let's just take stock of where we are right now. Yeah. Situations. But you know, it was, it was, again, it was nice to hear them 
discuss it, talk about it. And then by no means is it a big seller for them, relatively speaking. No, it's a, it's a tiny percentage of their, 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 their home sales. Yeah. And certainly in the UK, it's, it's not a beer that you see it's anywhere, rare. really. It's, it's rare. Um, but it is so nice. It does get a nice balance between it still feeling like a, a well-balanced lager, but those use of the malts they've got, which I think was four different malts, does give it a nice extra bit of a layer to it. Another another layer to that beer. And if, if pushed, I do wonder if I prefer the dark lager to the original sometimes. Or does it maybe depend on where I am and what I'm doing? I, I think it's a beer that I I feel is certainly more sessionable than, than, than the standard Budvar lager. Purely because the, what it doesn't have is that sweetness that you get with the original and and therefore it makes it easier to go back to it again yeah, I, and again well and again. we got topped up didn't we and it didn't take long to go through the top up no not not all and certainly that that evening when we went out as well we we went for the dark lager yeah over, over it, the over the over the standard one well i mean the place we stayed in near not too far away from um czech budovica uh chesky kromlov um it it was a cold night. We'd gone in, we were having some meat, and it just felt, yeah, the Budvar Dark seems to just suit the moment, yep. the venue, the, the food we were eating. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, um, you know, I think we actually mentioned about, you know, to Josh, can we get to see it in more places? So anyone who's listening, <laughs> yep, if you if you want to see Budvar Dark in the UK, ever um, work with Josh? Yeah, we need to we need to start that that revolution. But um, I think we and, and we also talked to, we, we we did touch on that. You know, is you know we've been saying it for a few years now. Lager come back, good lager, um, and certainly a couple of weeks after that trip, we went to Brew London, the you know the replacement for Craft Beer Rising. And we did get through a few lagers there as well. There were there were a lot of lagers, and I, and I do think this year um, we are going to see a summer of lager. This 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 year, I think we're going to see a lot of um, new lagers come out. A lot of a, a lot of breweries specialising in lager, um, and and I think all of this is kind of just, just following in the footsteps of quite a lot of tradition that exists in in Europe. Yeah, and you know where I think they've often had good lagers anyway same when you go to Germany yeah certain parts of Germany have some wonderful lagers and we just went through a period over here for a long time where we bought into the whole everything's cold fizzy and bland yes yeah and we, we kind of lost that 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 original yeah but some you know and we've talked about it before with some of the the UK producers you know uh turning around and knocking some wonderful wonderful lagers knocking them out so I'm more than happy except I sometimes feel like I have to explain myself to friends though and they say, Oh, you like lager? I said, Yeah, I just want I just want one I just want a tasty one though. Yeah, one that's done right, one that's done properly. Yeah. One that's actually been lagered. Yeah. You know the word lager? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and what and what it actually means. You always, always feel like you have to say justify, oh, you drink the lager. Yeah. Well, yes, because it's nice and it's good. Yeah. And there, there are some really good ones out there. So a few more lagers making their way into the market or, you know, the quality ones which are here now staying and getting more places to take them on, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, we, we spoke to the guys quite extensively about um, the, the historical side of things as well. And, and, and in this next part um, that, that you're going to hear, um, they do talk about how beer has, has essentially been brewed in, 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 in Budvar since 
1265. Yeah, it's a long while, isn't it? It is It is a long while. So um, hopefully uh, this will give you a bit more of a picture in, in terms of uh, that background. And, and also we get an opportunity to try the Imperial Wet Hopped Pilsner, which we were first from the UK to try, we believe. For, for, yeah, that, well, that's what we were told. Yes. And I'm willing to believe that. We've really been waxing lyrical about the, the, the dark lager because we are massive fans of it. Yep. And um, yes, it is a it is a real honour to be sitting with the man that created or co-created <laughs> Thank you. The, 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 the recipe. And, uh, and we've spoken about it, it coming hopefully more to the UK market. Um, it's I, I, I really enjoy this beer. It, it ticks so many boxes for me. It does, and uh, you know, I I would. I reckon if I was a, if it was a really nice hot day, I'd start off with a couple of pints of the golden, and I would stick to, go into the dark. I reckon I'd stay there. Yeah. I mean, at four point seven percent, it comes out a lovely sessionable strength as well, doesn't it? It's got bags of flavour, really well balanced, harmonious, even. Yeah. It's really it's just really, really easy to drink. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, thank you for coming up for this recipe. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, thank it's, you. Thank you. Yeah, thank it's, you. It's, it's delightful. And whoever topped up my glass, thank you to them as well. <laughs> yeah, you got a lovely great big pour. Um, so jealous, Steve. Just, just a little Stephen. bit. Yeah. Um, it ties in quite nicely because, as, as always, we've got some questions from our listeners um, to, to, to ask the guys here from, from Budvar. And, and, and the first one is actually about the dark lager. So this was from Adam Johnson at Maybe Not A Fad who, who said, have you seen any increase in demand for dark lager since the craft beer boom? Yeah, I must say I have investigated a bit, but uh, there is no response uh, with uh, connection uh, to the craft market. Uh, it's quite stagnating. The figure is very similar. I don't know why, but it's all. It seems a shame. It does because I think well, in terms of where the beer scene is in the UK, this ticks so many boxes. It feels like it's ripe. We're, so, so, so from a UK perspective, we are definitely seeing some accounts picking it up on, on a rotational basis. Um, again, in terms of volumes, that's probably not going to make much of a splash in terms of what the guys see see here locally. Um, we were also actually we, we had a bit of a rebrand last year, and, and we're having an amazing amazing investment that's coming this year in terms of rebrand. So, you know, for me, the beer actually as well this year in the UK and globally, we're, we're creating an amazing glass. So, I think. There are things that are happening to support the beer that might see the pickup, but exactly like you said, for me, if I take off my, my Budvar hat and put on my, I'm a certified Cicerone to a beer, a beer professional, it amazes me that this beer isn't in more places, and that's absolutely demand-led. I, I think maybe people don't know about it, maybe they do know about it, but you know, we've got a sales team, you can absolutely get in contact with us, um, You know, follow our website, give me a shout. If you want to stock this beer, if you want me to turn up to your account and, and do an event or a tasting. I mean, this is, it's such an incredible beer and, and, and it absolutely fits within the craft revolution that, that's happening at the moment. I think in our case, uh, the distribution is quite complex. Uh, we would uh, export our beer to 80 different countries. Well, the distribution of dark isn't as wide, but, but still we have accounts all over the world and the craft wave uh, doesn't proceed the same pattern in every country and also a um, very big part of our uh, distribution in dark beer is taken up by traditional markets who have been enjoying the dark beer over 
the last, I would say, at least 10 years, more or less, in a same volume. So the, the, it, it wouldn't really, um, if, I would say, if we would really focus at countries where the craft wave is significant, then you would probably see something happening. But if it's diluted in our global distribution, and given the, the standard sales and standard expectations of our long-term clients, it just doesn't hit the numbers year on year. That's quite interesting. Yeah. So you think there could be a market for it in the countries which are craft-savvy, craft-led, but because you are exporting to so many more countries than just that, yeah, it was just purely explaining the statistics. Why don't we sell more relate in relation to the craft wave? Um, but I strongly believe, yes, if we would really want to, to aim the focus at one country or one uh, strategy, then probably it would help. But this is just not about uh, dark beer only. This is a beautiful beer, but it has its role in the whole portfolio of our beers. Oh, definitely. So, mm. Yeah, I agree with that. I, don't, I, I, wouldn't want to, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go into a bar and see just the dark either. I want, I want to see both. Definitely. <laughs> I, I think the last thing from me, from me, from a UK perspective as well Actually, is... It's like nice oh. <laughs> I mean, if you, look at, if you look at craft beer in the UK and you look at the types of beers that people are drinking within craft, probably hot forward, hazy, IPA, the, you know, that, that is a category that's dominating and there's some fantastic breweries making some fantastic versions of that beer. I still think even within that bubble, you know, it'd be great to start to see a little bit more uh, breadth in terms of portfolio and different styles that people are drinking. Uh, and I think that's, for me, I, I hope and I see the future. I, I like to drink different styles, whether it's a, a Lambic, a Saison, an IPA, mm. a Stout. I like to drink different styles at different times. And I, and I really think, you know, more choice would, would, would be a better thing. Mm. Um, and that maybe you'll see a bit, a bit more time for, for a doubt lager. But that's uh, a great thing about the beer industry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that definitely yeah. a bit yeah. more choice and in the right places because yeah. there are lots of choice but sometimes it's choice of the same style or one or two styles lots of different choices mm. of the same same or different styles so yeah I'll be quite happy if this appears in a few more places uh, next couple of questions we've got are more on the technical side of, of things involved the, 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 the brewing process so from Ian Hay at I.I. Hay I'd be interested to know about the CO2. Do you collect it and force carb it to comply with Reinheitsgebot? Reinheitsgebot. Gebot. I nearly did it. That I, was really close though. I, I was. I mean, it's not my normal butchery of no. words I can't say. Um, or do you use some kind of spunding valve arrangement? Also, when is it done? After lagering or before packaging? Uh, yeah, well, um, you know, as a lager brewery, uh, we do it the traditional way, it means we have really cold temperature in our cellars and our lagering tanks are at about um, what 0.5 bars over pressure and it is ideal for CO2 to dissolve in the beer so all the CO2 that is there is naturally produced by our by our yeast and kept in the beer during lagering. Yeah. There is no need to add more because it gives more than 5 grams per liter. So it's all naturally produced? Yeah. 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 Nature, trying to, trying to make sure I understand yeah, what yeah. all and these big words are being used on the <laughs> So it's naturally produced. And, and naturally kept in during lagering. That there is no need to transfer the CO2 mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. and back. Mm -hmm. It dissolves there. You know, it's according to Henry's law. Uh, 
gas uh, solubility increases with temperature decrease and pressure increase of, of, of its gas. So it's like physical law. It's, okay. It sounds scientifically, but it's the wisdom of the nature. We don't ignore it at, every, at every step. If I can remember any I'll, I'll do it. Um, great opportunity to say a third beer has been poured for us. Which is one we're very excited about. Yes, well. just a little bit. Join. Who wants to tell us what the, uh, the beer is that we've got in our glass right now? It was the first sip, so there was a silence at first because <laughs> <laughs> because the s- concentration is shocking and the full dose of uh, the aromatic compounds yeah. from the hops that's yeah. really strong. Yeah, it, let's try it. it. It is our celebration of, of the nature yeah. and of, of, of the hops, and it is it is something what we like to do every year. Yeah, I think it's eighth edition. Uh, it yeah. should be because it this should be this mm-hmm. year is again uh, World Brewing Congress. Yeah. And that is that is where we came with that idea when we are sitting um, in a bar. Yeah, it was in Portland in the US. It's where all the best ideas happen in a bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So th- this is the imperial. So just going back to your saying about the carbonation. So this has come again from the tank. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so you sort of decanted it into a brass jug of some kind, mm-hmm. uh, tankered, and there's a lovely head on my drink. Yeah. And this hasn't had any forced carbonation at all, has it? So this no, 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 no. It, 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 it is the CO2 that is very yeah. during the lager. Expert pour as well. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got it. Well done. It's not like that training was put to waste at the yeah. White Horse. Um, um, so what's the, what's the ABV on this one? Well, ABV would be around eight. eight. I like that, just vaguely just around eight. Just around eight percent. Yeah, it doesn't taste like eight percent. Drink an eight percent lager. Yeah, well, ABV isn't something we discuss with, the, with this beer. Uh, what we do discuss with this beer um, is the hop season that was there last year, and actually this season will, will be amazing. It, it's like uh, we always use um, the same hop farm, the same dose of hops, and this year uh, this year's batch has about. Uh, 50% increase in, in bitterness, so that good year it was for uh, hop growers in in, in the field uh, where we harvested this hop. I mean, it's, it's good. there's a fruitiness to the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just absolutely yeah. delicious. It's it's so and, and it's so it's so easy to drink as well. There is no yeah. way that's but drinking eight percent. It's the dangerous thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, most dangerous thing in this beer. I guess for me another Budvar story is when when I first started there. We so we launched this beer every year. Um, it comes out around April time um, into the UK. We we do a bit of a launch, a fresh hopped Imperial Lager launch, which we'll we'll be doing again this year. A little bit of a, a, a marketing plug. Follow our social channels and you'll find out where we're launching the beer. But um, anyway, we were at the Pembury Tavern last year and, and Alice was there and, and uh, I, I'd only just started for Budvar and, and, and I was tasting the beer and, and drinking it by the half. You should drink this in, in, in small quantities because it's quite strong. And after about an hour or so, I was there with a few friends. It was me that pressed the, the pint button. We were well behaved, and it was a very good evening at the, the mm. Pembury Tavern. I spoke to the, the staff; they were fantastic, and it's, it's a brilliant pub in Hackney, uh, so everything was fine. But I, I definitely, I definitely indulged that evening. But yeah, this is a beer for me. I would definitely recommend drinking by the the half or two thirds or schooner. But um, it, yeah, 
doesn't. I agree with you, but again, because and this is your theme throughout all your beers about the drinkability, the harmony. Steve's right. It doesn't drink like an eight percent beer. I would say at best, I'm still only going to go slightly over five. Six. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't even get to six because it hasn't got that massive alcohol hit. Balance. Yeah. Balance and harmony. So it is a dangerous yeah, yeah. beer. Yeah, Definitely but, a dangerous but, but beer. When we spoke about the drinkability, it's, yeah. it's always about it. Yeah. And uh, it's really dangerous because it's drinkable, it's well balanced, harmonic, very fresh, and you enjoy the full dose of sasa hops. There is no other beer which has full dose of fresh sasa hops in this concentration. So I think. It's really a unique beer. In this place where we are sitting, um, beer, this beer even has a nickname. Yeah. We, we call it Jump to the Dark or Jump to the Darkness. Yeah. But, <laughs> but that's the pale beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I seem to have too much of it yeah. and it's yeah. going to go wrong. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. There is one, one more thing important because when we invented this beer, it was uh, done for joy. We, we made it for joy. Well, definitely joyful. For nothing more. Yeah. <laughs> so, was so was this another of your recipes? Mm. Me and Peter, uh, I think that the idea came in the US because it was far away from mm. home. Yeah. And uh, we recognized that uh, the Americans have many uh, varieties of hops and they are able to celebrate their hops, to enjoy their hops and we told each other we have well, let's celebrate hops. Yeah. Let's yeah. celebrate the let's best celebrate hops, hops in the world, disaster yeah. fine aroma hops. Unfortunately one of you remembered and the conversation the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and we have we have done it. We have done it <laughs> next month. <laughs> because it was in, in, in August I think yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in Portland and in September we brewed the first brew. Mm. Well that's quite good. Yeah. yeah. It's quite hang around then. Yeah. It has to be brewed the same day as we harvested. Yeah. So logistically, it's quite challenging, mm-hmm. but it's again a thing that uh, yeah it brings people together. It's like what pe- what beer does, you know. People, well, the colleagues. It's not just you know Petra uh, and yeah. Adam, but uh, but people who are actually interested in in ha- joining them for the batch can go to help with the harvest, and the same day they come back from the sans. Yeah. region back to Budweiss and then yeah, the per- personally it's yeah. important <laughs> all of yeah. us personally each year yeah. that's the eighth edition <laughs> and so it's a bit like a green hop is it like a green hop Josh like the green hop they do yeah similar principle so essentially it's hops that are harvested that are still wet so I think yeah. wet wet hop yeah, or green exactly. hop yeah they're wet from last season, they go into the beer. Mm-hmm. We lager, uh, we we lagerize for two hundred days, but it, it's exactly that. I think. Um, Sorry. So this is lagered for two hundred days. It, yeah. It, so it, this it, is another hundred and ten days longer. It's, yeah. it's not right now. Be careful. Be careful. It's yeah. not right. So actually, that, 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 that was a thing thing to say. Actually, this. So you guys are the first people from the UK to be sampling. <laughs> 2020 fresh opt imperial lager so get your untapped check-in in because nobody from the uk has tasted it so this is still needing Sorry, a bit sir, more time sir is it on untapped yet uh we, we might have to check because i i don't think no, it will be no, this no, is fresh no, off no, the press wet no, fresh no, wet get on me josh you're fine yeah. we're in the cellar i can't check it in anyway yeah we're miles away from anywhere 
that's an actual celebration of the brewers mm. here. Mm. It's the harvest uh, in mm. September. So in the morning, you go to the field and harvest the hops. And in the afternoon, you have to, to, to start the brew. And then it just rests over the winter. And now in March, it will be actually going to our markets. So it's well rested and well thought through. <laughs> so thank yeah, you if, I have, if I have a few more, I'll be well rested. <laughs> <laughs> so staying on the technical side of things, we had a, a question for um, from for hop's sake at for hop's sake we don't we don't know their name no. um, uh, what is the mashing schedule that you have here and, and does it involve decoction yeah, I, I feel that uh, the guy or girl who uh, give this question uh, is well educated because decoction that that's the vital thing in drinkability mm. and it's the vital thing in boudoir as well so uh, the answer is yes there is too much decoction starting at uh, 37 degrees centigrade, continuing at 50, 65, 75, with all the machine uh, boiled uh, as uh, the too much decoction uh, is set. So that's really so. Yeah. All the Budweiser Budvar uh, brands are meshing by decoction. Yeah. Actually, we get this question quite often, like, why, why do you do that, that, that it's that difficult, like, that, that complicated, why, why do you spend all the money on it? And it's like, uh, we feel it is really part of, of the soul of the beer, because as Adam has said in the beginning, beer is uh, a drink composed of, what, 3,000 components. More than 3,000. Yeah. And, and, and if, 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 if you have a look at these components, uh, definitely majority of them are not soluble, soluble in water or in that slightly alcoholic uh, beverage as, as beer would be, which means they need to be solu soluble, solubilized, you say it in English, yeah. Yeah, in a different way. And there is, again, mm, some physical chemistry happening uh, connected to the decoction because many of these components are actually bonded to the surface of, uh, of, of um, let's say, nanoscopic uh, structure of the beer that is being produced uh, by the decoction. Uh, well, actually, beer science is a little bit behind, <laughs> and it has not discovered yet uh, all, all the mechanisms that, that are there, but we feel it in the days that there is something happening during the decoction uh, that changes uh, the, the physical composition of the beer. Uh, there are there are a colloidal th there is colloidal status of the beer uh, that helps all these components to dissolve and to be preserved um, or perceived uh, by the consumer. So it is not just about the temperature. It is, it is not just about the micromolecules. It is really difficult deep chemistry and physical chemistry of beer that is happening there and. And we know that we don't know everything about it, and we like to preserve it and keep it as it is. But you know it works. Yeah, yeah. And I have I have many times uh, this evening uh, spoken about the wisdom of the nature. Yeah. It's the typical part of this, because uh, the decoction process uh, has been made uh, to tune up the differences, uh, the variances in uh, crops uh, of uh, ingredients into the beer to make always the top quality. That's the goal of uh, the decoction meshing. If you don't do it, 
be prepared. <laughs> I am going to rephrase that question. I'm guessing it involves magic. Yes. Yes. Magic and harmony. Yeah. Which is which is which is yeah. what we've we've learned. Um, there is one final question, but before we get to that, we need to have a conversation. Before we get to the question, there is this ongoing trademark dispute between your, yourselves and the other Budweiser that exists. That's been going on for a while now, hasn't it? In in, in terms of who can use what name, yeah. where in the so world. In basic terms, in one country it's one name, one country it's another. Let's hear a little bit more about that because I don't quite understand it myself. No, I, I, I don't. And we do, have, we do have a question from a listener about it, but I want to understand the, the, the background to, to it a little bit more. For me, at the beginning, for me, it's a clear question because we are from Budweis, we are Budweiser, and we are fighting the most space. I think that that what the development. That's the origin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I I, I think you know from from me coming in and, and learning about the history and 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 the the differences and what's happened. I mean, if you look at the. Anheuser-Busch, which is now part of AB InBev, um, you know, and again, you could spend quite a long time talking about that that side of it. In the in the late 1800s, they trademarked the name at, at the setup of Anheuser-Busch, and and essentially, if you if you then go back to our our, town, our city and where, where we brew, 1265 was when the Bohemian King at the time gave brewing rights to the town, and, and as you say, you know, as Adam Adam and, and Pesha said that actually beer has been made in this town officially recognized by royalty since 1265 and Budweiser means beer from the town of Budweiser the same as Pilsner means beer from the town of Pilsner there, there is that connection so there's definitely no affiliation between us and Anheuser-Busch or American Budweiser they are definitely different products as well you know we are owned by the people of the Czech Republic brewing a bohemian lager and, and uh, you know I think I think a lot of, of talk has gone into the quality and the, the, the care and attention that's gone into this beer but essentially in terms of a dispute yes it's still ongoing if you look at uh, the European side of the business two countries out of the whole of Europe are both companies can use both the full name so that's UK and Iceland so I think UK we have a challenge um, it'd be interesting to see what the question is but we have a challenge in the UK because where, where both breweries use the full name, that's where consumers can get a bit confused. Whereas if you go to Germany or, or other countries, we use the full name. We are Budweiser Budvar, the other company or the you know, he who must not be mentioned. Or, you know, they, they have to be, they, they use the name Bud. Um, so, you know, for me, ultimately, it's all about the consumer. And what I want to do as a marketeer is I want to give them clarity so that they know if they want to go and buy the American uh, beer that is produced, fair enough. Go on, go and buy that product. If they want to buy ours, then you know, and and, and it's a challenge, but it's um, yeah, it's well, the well, longest trade dispute I think in, in the whole of the history of the world. It's over yeah. 100 years. Well, I think I think the question very much lends itself to that, and it's from um, Discombobulated, uh, and he wants to know if if the association with Budweiser and Anheuser Busch has been more of a help to grow the business or more of a hindrance via the association to a macro company? <laughs> I think it, it depends on the knowledge of the story. Because if you know the story, it could help as well. Well, I think it kind of helped both. 
mm. you know because <laughs> at the very beginning there was um, an inspiration by the brewing tradition here mm. in the region of Budweiser and Budweiser means coming from Budweiser mm. so this is this is quite clear and even the founder of uh, the St. Louis based brewery has uh, pronounced that that was the original idea to brew a beer of similar taste and quality and That's experience cool. as it's being brewed in the city of Budweis here in uh, the Czech Republic where we sit now. This is also why we have been winning all these legal disputes, not all of them but most of them. By most of them I mean um, maybe 80% on average uh, because the point is quite clear. It's from here, it's ours. Uh, however, the distribution, the global distribution, and the, 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 the history of the legal dispute has some challenging periods, and there were also agreements signed where our brewery gave up, gave up the rights to use Budweiser Budweiser trademark in America. Uh, there are also challenges that some of the um, judges who are involved in this uh, who are decision makers in these disputes might also think not about just about the origin but they would also think about the consumer and how he perceives the brand so uh, it might be a priority not to confuse the consumer and if there are two brands which one of them is American Budweiser and the other is the original Budweiser and the consumer can clearly understand that which one is which then they might tend to, to allow both to use it. So it's very territorial. There, there, can, be, um, there can be challenges, there can be really complicated situations, but in general, the point is clear. There you go. That's it. I mean, that, that is, you know, I, I love the way that you, I mean, uh, Josh gave us a really good background to it all, but the three of you who, two of you are from the, the city where we're in, and one of you become a city dweller from your previous place <laughs> and you are so passionate about your description of that but you can understand why this this trade dispute is not over will carry on for a long time yet because it's 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 hard to argue again it's hard to argue against the the provenance that you're talking about from here but equally there's a, a weight of a whole nation which is so big behind the other one. We, we just ultimately from my side I just want people to drink the beer that they they, they intend to drink and actually if, if you um, you know do a side-by-side -side tasting and and you'll see the difference. That's true. You <laughs> no, I mean literally you well, you'll, you'll see the difference when it's poured into the glass. Yeah. Let, let, let's be Definitely. honest. Definitely. Yeah. It's um, no it's, 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 yeah. Any final thoughts on the Imperial Peel because I, I mean you've had a top up which is why you've still got some of the glass. The rest of us have all finished. I was going to say the, the only thing is we, we've ran out so um, you know luckily well, there, there are some tanks next door <laughs> which unfortunately we can't bring the listeners into <laughs> that, that but we can experience for, the, it, for, for them. them yeah that's yeah, what yeah, we yeah, do well, that's, that's what we take do. one for yeah. this we'll take a hit for that yeah um, Steve given you've had a second one what do you think I'm loving it that's it <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, we may lose Steve later <laughs> sorry about that uh, I've got no, nothing to add to the fact that it was it is superbly drinkable, and you're all lying about the eight percent. I'm contesting to the fact how superbly <laughs> drinkable it is by drinking a second glass. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> yeah.
quality control. And it's we not. have actually brought a special rope with us as well this evening, which we're going to tie to to, uh, to Steve's leg to just to ensure because there are eight hundred different. Uh, uh, tanks that we have or pubs as they're, they're known uh, by the brewing team here in, in, in the area so getting lost here can mean getting no, lost. never finding your way out <laughs> pretty much <laughs> no, and, and it's no not single. a bad way to go no, yeah. no single yeah. either yeah. so you know, um, you know lastly what, what's the future hold for Budva what's coming up I will, I will start from the production point of view because it's clear again we are focusing on uh, increasing the capacity plus 50% so in future, we will be ready to produce more great beers. Brilliant. And that building work is literally going on around us, isn't it? It's a, it is a bit of a building site down here in, yeah. in the cellar. Yeah. So that, that, that's capacity. What about markets, messages? I, I think from, from my perspective, you know, as Adam said, we're looking to grow 50%. We're looking to grow capacity. But most importantly as well is that we are staying to our tradition in terms of long maturation time, only brewing in the town of Budweiser and Cheska Budjavice. So we are doing all of that. We're going to you know, double, well, 50% increase our, our size, but actually we're still gonna stay to those true origins of the things that you know your listeners have heard. We're gonna to stick to that, that quality. So, you know, and I'm, I mean, in terms of the UK, um, as I say, we've got a, a rebrand that we're launching globally, which You'll probably see coming to market in around June time. We've got a, a new blog that we're launching in the UK. Johnny Tyson, who again has been on one of your your former podcasts, yep. is now actually uh, the beer writer for Budweiser Budvar in the UK. So Johnny's a wine sommelier and, and the first advanced Cicero in Europe. He's going to be writing content. So we've got lots of new content, a little bit of an update to the branding, new merchandise. We've got an amazing new bespoke glass. That's the first time we've launched. It's going global, but the first time in the UK, which if anybody like me um, has, <laughs> has glassware at home, um, it's, it's, a, it's a great glass. And this is coming from my years in pubs. It's a, it's a lovely traditional Czech style tankard, and it's got this amazing amazing paneling work around. Honestly, it's I'm a bit of a. You're very excited about. I'm a bit of a glass. Yeah. I'm a big geek, a glass geek, and a, and a sneakerhead. I was going to so. say I was going to say trainers, but yeah, sneakers. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's about us done, isn't it? I, I, I think it is. Um, thank you so much for giving up your yeah. your, your time, Stan, talking to us um, about what you do here and with the amount of passion that you have for it as well as has just come through. And so. I, I really hope that's come across because we're definitely feeling it and seeing it. So thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. A lot. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Great, great, great greetings to Great Britain. <laughs>
It was definitely pintable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tasted nowhere near the ABV that it runs. It's about 8%, yeah. isn't it, a- ABV? Tastes nowhere near that. And It was just yeah. delicious. We, we, if they we went it up, through that very quickly. It didn't take long, did it? No. Uh, but it was such a nice drink. It was nice to hear them, uh, you know, talk about it and again describe how they've, you know, got to this. I mean, this was the eighth edition, so, you know, relatively new. It's newer than the Budvar Dark as well. You know, it is effectively, a, oh, I'd like to say, more or less like a vanity project, isn't it? Because this isn't going to yeah. make them that much money if you're, you're lagering no, it. It's, for, it's almost proving days. what they can do, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. So, you know, having started off by saying that they respect the traditions and maybe it might hold them back. The other two beers that we then tried, which they have then innovated in the last 10 years, the Dark and the Imperial Pilsner, both wonderful. Yeah. Really good. I mean, the use of the Saz hops in that was great. But while we were drinking that, you know, we thought, well, we're going to drink such a high ABV beer. Let's get on to the, the big topic. Yes, and, and, and we did we did have a chat to them about the, uh, which, which you would have heard as well, about the ongoing trademark dispute, which I, I still find... Absolutely amazing that even with Budvar having that protected geographical indication, they're still not able to claim a worldwide trademark on on the term Budweiser. I, I, it's never going to happen now, is it? I mean, Budweiser themselves are just simply too big as well to, to let it go. Yeah. There's no incentive for lawyers on either side to let it go. You've got the US government, which is uh, going to back Budweiser. And you've got Europe back in Budvar, by, by and large, not all of them. Yeah. I, because over here, we, uh, we let both of them use their own the, the names, don't we? Yeah, I think, I think it was mentioned in the interview, wasn't it? It's, it's us and Iceland, which are the only two countries in the world yeah. where, where both, both use the same name. Yeah, well, it's odd, isn't it? But yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't think I've ever confused it. I know Josh made a point of saying that when he used to serve it in the pub, he always made sure they knew what they were getting. Yeah. Before, otherwise, it is a bit of a shock. If you actually want cold American Budweiser and you get given a cold Czech Budvar they're very different beers they are very, they take, yeah there's no similarities there are you you're not, you're not going to be mistaking one for the no, other are you exactly. let's, let's be honest uh, but no it's quite interesting because obviously then we started talking about what's what's coming up next yeah um, you know and I know that you may not quite get it because obviously it's, it's not visual but once Josh started talking about it he's so excited about this whole you know the rebranding the Republic of Beer the Imperial hopped launch on our way to Prague, way back to Prague. We were quite lucky to stop off at a few places. We, we were because that was uh, what what you've heard so far and what we've been talking about so far was literally just a couple of hours of day one. Yeah. For, for, so the, for, so for the Tuesday and the Wednesday was basically what Josh had planned to do and wanted to do was also to showcase what else is happening in the Czech beer scene yeah. outside of Budvar, which I thought was a really good idea, actually. So it was a nice balance, wasn't it? So, so yeah, as you mentioned, we got to, we, we got to visit um, three uh, microbreweries, um, smaller breweries. Very different. All three of them all, were very different. All three very different. Uh, but they, were all, they all centred on being... Uh, it was almost like having large brew pubs, the first two. Well, yes. All of them actually had an element of brew pub to them. They all had a location yeah. as well, didn't and they? it was yeah. all about and and definitely doing food. Oh, without a doubt, there's, the, there's a definite food and beer yeah. thing going so, on, isn't it? So you there? know, the first one we went to Solnis. Um, lo- I mean, what they've done with that building there, which used to be a salt warehouse or something. Yeah, yeah, it's a salt mill. Um, and we were lucky enough to have a little look around it as well. But you know, the food in there was good. Yeah, and. 
Yeah, we were there for what, about an hour and a half? And they had six of their own beers. Yeah. So you and I thought, we know what we'll do. We, we took that as a challenge, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we took it as a challenge. And I, we, we had, we had a, lo- a lovely guide with us as well, didn't we? Who'd given us a little bit of a history of the actual town we were in as well. And um, no, we were back in Budavis then, weren't we? We were just we were, in the yeah, old we, town. We were in the old part well, rather than... Well, then the industrial bit where the brewery is. Yeah. And she was really nice. And I said, right, yes, you know, we are going to have a little bit of sensible here. Can we have smaller pours? Their version of smaller pours is a lot different to ours. I mean, it was still pretty much three thirty milliliter pours. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like um, when going back to when we were in Ireland and we were we you asked for a third, third. and you actually got a third of a litre. Yes. So we were, we were still get we've got smaller pours than you'd normally see in uh, the Czech Republic or Czechia, depending on your point of view. Um, <laughs> but they were no means small. No, no. Um, but for for me, the interesting thing about that that building that the, the facility that they had like you say a, a, an old salt mill um based over four floors yeah so so, so two floors of food and beer yep. two floors of event spaces um for me um the only thing i could compare it to and and hopefully some of our li- listeners will be able to make this comparison here is northern months refectory in, the, in, the, in leeds the closest i could come to describing it very much an industrial building that's been put to good use yeah um, as you walk in, there are a number of shiny tanks, which seems yep. to be a, a stable feature in a, in a, in a lot of Czech <laughs> bars. Um, but the fascinating thing was that literally just around the corner, they, they had also bought um, what was a shop unit and they had put their own microbrewery into a shop unit to brew their beer. And then they got permission to dig up the streets and run pipes directly from the microbrewery to the restaurant. Yep. So they were getting uber fresh beer in the restaurant as yeah. well um, it was actually five beers we tried and so there was like um, like varying degrees of like the pilsners and then we hit the um, Irish dry stout yeah which was a special that they had on. yeah and that was delicious which was cracking that was su- that, now that was a nice cracking, beer I mean yeah. all of them were nice so we did get a few takeaways as well and um, so the place was called Solnis in case anyone is ever in the area can recommend the food and the beer and it had a lovely, it, although the beer was obviously important to us, there was lots of people in there who weren't there just for the beer anyway. They were there for the food. Or there was a wide array of other drinks available yeah. as well. So, you know, it had a bit of everything and you could easily have a, a group meal there with a partner, with mates. It sort of tick all the boxes. Someone had money doing that place. Yeah, without a doubt, they must have done. So the way the way it was done up, they, they had... They had money, but they also had a vision. Oh yeah, 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 and they and they carried it out. And yeah, I said so. That was quite. They, they were still quite traditional beers, weren't they? They were quite, the sort of beers you'd, ex- I think, you'd expect to see in where you are. So we, I think, we were in southern Bohemia at that yeah. point still. Very. I mean, this was a very slow start to getting back to Prague. We hadn't really gone very far at all. No, no, no. <laughs> I think I think we both thought we were maybe going a bit further yeah. to, to that first stop. And when, when we stopped, sort of like twenty minutes after we started, yeah, we're like, so, oh, okay, okay, here we go again then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so from there we we, we moved on, and I, I I must admit to to not being able to actually tell you where we went next. We went somewhere into the Czech countryside. It was the place we ended up was on its own. It was on its own. It was like kind of I think there was there were camping pitches and lodges there, so yeah. you could actually stay there. But again, a restaurant yep. and uh, in the basement a brewery. Um, so I think it was a uh, Zvikov. That's how I would say it. Yeah, 
Um, where we got to try a range of beers from our house. Eight. eight I want to say eight beers, different beers. Different styles. Yeah, well. and again, I made an effort to ask for smaller pours. Um, and that wasn't really well received. No, we, they, they, <laughs> they don't do small pours. No. I, I, think, um, I think we found. Now, the, the, you know, the, I, all of the, I thought all the beers were excellent. But bearing in mind that he didn't enjoy IPAs. He made one. He definitely had one of the best IPAs I've had in a long time. Absolutely, his IPA was stunning. Yeah, it was um, everything I wanted from all IPA. of his beers were good. So we had, we had a, uh, a couple of pilsners. We had a we had a dark lager. We had a wheat beer. We had a wheat beer. There was an IPA. There was an American barley wine, wasn't it? Uh, was no, that another place? no, that was another place. There, I think there was a stout. As there, there may have been a stout as well. But there was just this range of beers, and they were all brewed. Downstairs, yeah. We got to have a little look at the the, the brewery yeah, yeah. as well. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, the the IPA was stunning. Yeah, the IPA was stunning. An, an so, absolute standout. And uh, it, it wasn't open. We 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 were you know, I think someone at the Boulevard Brewery knows knows him. Yeah. So they you know basically got a special pass. Yeah, very much. But yeah, um, as to where it is, we're not going to be much help for you. Couldn't couldn't tell you. We couldn't couldn't, tell you I mean, I'm very lazy. Once someone else is doing all the driving and directing. Just sort of switch off. Yeah. Well, we came. We then came out of there, got back in the minibus. I think everybody had a little snooze, and then we were suddenly stopped at a petrol station where I think we we, we all went for a bit of a loo break and some much needed Haribos. We, <laughs> Haribos and a can of Coke I had. Yes. Yeah. Because I, apparently I needed just a whole load of sugar. <laughs> just needed some sugar intake at that point. But then we we, we continued on, um, and I do remember where this place was. It was in a in a small town called Slani. Yep. Which I think is about 40, 45 minutes outside of Prague. Yes. Um, where we visit, visited um, Antosh Brewery as, as well. Now this was... And this was a up, brewery of two halves, yes, this and, one. And we picked up another guide. We had yes, another guide. Yeah. And again, I am really, again, when it comes to languages and stuff, it's not my forte. So we, he didn't speak English, this Antosh, did he? No. So he was doing the, she was doing the translating. And I thought it was actually quite fascinating, the bit where if we'd wanted to speak Russian, he could have done that. Yeah. Because but, he'd had to learn it at school, which does make sense, doesn't yeah. it? Because it's not that long ago, really. So for him, he, he would have been able to do Russian. Yeah. So Russian or Czech. So, but yeah. Um, so we went and it literally, it was just a brewery. It was, away, it's a normal brewery, industrial. Industrial unit, very much like any brewery tour that you've ever been on. Yep. You walked in, lots of FVs, brewing equipment. and But then again, out the back was the traditional Czech um, FVs for, for lager. Yes, so had them lined on, down. On their, on their side. Yeah, horizontal. Um, and I think the first beer he gave us was a session IPA, was it? He gave yeah, us, which and that was, was straight from the tank. Straight from the tank, absolutely delicious. Um, and we are actually drinking one of these beers. Well, we've been drinking it throughout the show, but we thought we'd wait until this point yeah. to, to to speak about it. So, so what is it that we we've been drinking and enjoying this evening? So it's uh, it's the Crystal IPA, six point seven percent, which I think we did try there as well. Yes. Um, it's got a, it's got a nice rye sweetness to it, but it hasn't got that sort of pepperiness that you sometimes associate with rye used in beers. And it's actually again, and this is the bit which dovetails quite nicely into the whole experience at Budva the day before, is that all three of the people, all three of the places we saw, still wanted to create balanced beers, and they all made yeah. a point of talking about that as well. It was about the balance in the beers, so. 
This one, 6.7%, doesn't taste like it. Absolutely not. Easily sub four. It's very, very uh, smashable. It's got it's got a flavour and an aroma of old school IPAs. Yeah. And it, it looks like it, it tastes like it. I mean, we've we've worked our way through this bottle. And strangely enough, it's in a it's in a one litre plastic bottle. It's in a one litre plastic <laughs> bottle. And it, but to be fair, uh, taking away uh, environmental concerns, um, the actual carbonation and the feel of the beer has lived up quite nicely, in my opinion. Well, considering we're what we're four weeks removed from, yeah. as we recalled, from when we went. So that's held up really, really well. Yeah. I said, right, I mean, it's crystal IPA, so it's crystal malt, isn't it? Yeah. But um, it has got all of the old school IPA feel to it. But again, it's incredibly well balanced. Yeah. Um, but all of these beers were, and we got to try, we got to try quite a few of his beers yeah. as well, because after we visit, visited his industrial site, site, he then took us to his historical Site. So the, the the bit which people get to see, but we got to see a bit that people don't normally get to yeah, see. Yeah, so it's a 15th century building, yep. I, I, I believe. Uh, currently being used upstairs as, again, a restaurant and bar. Yep. Uh, but he took us downstairs into the old cellars, um, where they've got a brewery. And then he took us down even further into the cellars, in, down this tiny tunnel, into this tiny space where they've managed to fit another brewery. It's bonkers, isn't it? Which they've essentially... They bought all the equipment in and built it in the cellar. It's never coming out. It's never coming out. That, but, I mean, that, that cellar is always going to be a brewery now. Yeah. Um, and again, we tried a few of the beers from there, and he was doing some innovative brewing as well. So yeah, he you was, tried a sour, didn't you? Yeah, and it was that was delicious. Um, and again, very generous with his time. He did give a small pause, which was just as well, because I think by the time we left there, we'd probably had about 20 beers that day already. Yeah, easily. That's before we went out in Prague in the evening. Um, <laughs> And so, again, but it was the setting. I could have stayed there. I would have been happy to have spent my evening there. there was some good music on as well. Yeah. And could smell the food. It was cold outside. They had a big fire. I was thinking, I could just rock up here. Um, you know, we did go out in Prague. I think we should say that. We did We did go to, we went for a bite to eat, and then we did go to a crafty. Yeah, it was called the, it was called the Craft House. Yeah. Um, and what did we drink, Steve? We drank uh, West Coast IPAs. Imperial West Coast IPAs, and then I believe I'm right in saying we finished on a barley wine. That's exactly what we did. Because wasn't it the clock had just passed midnight and it had just ticked over into your birthday, and we thought the way to celebrate that after drinking all day long would be with a barley wine. Exactly. And then we went to somewhere for a couple of cocktails. We, we did, but... That was Tim's idea, though. The, the, thing, the thing that I found about all of those beers that we tried in the craft house, and most of them were from um, Czech breweries. All the, all the ones we had. As, all the ones we had. The three IPAs were definitely... Yeah. And I'm pretty certain the American barley wine was as well. Yeah. But all of them were Czech breweries. The IPAs were cracking. They were, they were spot on. Exactly to style, but the thing, the thing that I, I I still found amazing about them was they all had a beautiful body about them, a lot of life, these really thick, creamy heads, but they drank so easily. And and the only thing I can compare them to is them almost like being kegged cask beer. It was that it was that smooth and easy to drink. There was a smoothness, but so bang on style. It was, and, and it's that harmony again. Yeah, that, and that's that, what it was. That's, coming back to, and we spoke about that at the table. We were all there sharing a few drinks together. We did speak about that, and we said, "It's a, it's obviously a theme. It's obviously a theme that you know, there are people, there are brewers doing 
new style beers and moving away from maybe some of what would be classes traditional lagers pilsners but there is still an element of that tradition about the balance yeah. and the harmony going through it and I love that though I yeah. loved, absolutely love to see that so it was a crack I mean it was a cracking day once again thanks to Budvar and thanks to Josh for sorting out the, the, the Wednesday when we got a chance to see um, some bits of uh, southern Bohemia he even managed to get it to snow which was amazing in yeah. a world's UNESCO heritage town yeah <laughs> you know let's go to the highest point and look down survey the scene and then it snows yes just what you want <laughs> and then the next day in Prague it was all clear blue skies and sunshine it was like it was it was really nice I mean I've, I've been to Prague a few, t- a few times before with my brothers and stuff like that and I, I've always enjoyed going there but there is definitely a scene there is definitely a beer scene outside of the traditional and that's not to be disingenuous to the traditional because they do the traditional really good so it was a spot-on whirlwind beery trip. Well, I think I think we are seeing, especially what we got to see with some of these other breweries, we, we are seeing a bit of a, a, a rise in in other styles of beer coming from Czechia now. And I think the, that Josh was saying there's there's somewhere between four hundred eighty five hundred breweries now. Yeah. In 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 Czechia. And, and obviously you've got your big ones, but you've now also got, much like you've got in the UK, you've now got all these micro and nano breweries that are springing up, where people, yes, have been inspired by that traditional style, but they're also seeing what's happening elsewhere in the world. Yeah. And they're saying, well, I want to try some of that. And what happens if we take all this that we know about how to brew balanced and harmonious beer... And what if we put that into an IPA? Mm. What if we put that into an imperial stout? What if we put that into a barley wine? We're going to get the same results, and 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 that's what we experienced. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Let's be honest. That Wednesday, I didn't have a bad beer. Didn't have a single bad beer on that day. No. So we were in five venues, three three freedom breweries. One was a craft house, and one was a traditional place. And I didn't have a bad beer anywhere. Yeah. And we'll, by the end of the day, we'd easily done over that twenty. Really enjoyed it. I would, I would go back to Czechia in a heartbeat. I would. I'd, I'd, I'd very much go just to Prague and spend a bit more time in Prague. Yeah, because that's probably actually where we spent the least amount of time. Yeah. Uh, the one thing we didn't mention, we did stay in a in a hotel, which is actually a brewery as well. Yeah, a, a beer hotel. Yeah, a beer hotel. hotel. Yeah. Um, and and the uh, shower gels have beery pictures on them as well. Yeah, everything was themed and it was, yeah. it was absolutely cracking. Um, so once again, massive thank you to, to, to Josh from Badvar and from Badvar for, for sorting that trip out for us. Definitely. We are, we're so grateful um, to have been able to experience that. Um, it really was a, a fantastic look into what is happening in Czechia in terms of, of, of beer right now. Yeah, and I hope... Uh some flavour of that has come through with what we recorded and what we talked about yeah and a slightly different show for us yeah um, so rest assured listeners the next show will be back to something a little more normal and a little more what you're used to exactly but for now for now cheers, cheers. in sweet harmony